0: Events for Breakfast, your go-to guide for advice, top tips and events industry insights. My podcast is delivered in bite-sized chunks to help you digest information and expand your events expertise. Hi everybody, welcome back to the Events for Breakfast podcast, and if you are a new listener, welcome. I'm Kelly Frew, your podcast host. Now, before we come into this episode, I just wanted to say a big thank you to everybody that reached out to me this week. I had lots of people engage in saying how much they're loving the fact that the podcast is back, and I have to be honest, I have been buzzing all week because it is great to be back. So we are coming into episode two of this season and I have got a fantastic guest for you. I'm going to be joined by Jason Ward and he is the creative director from Dawson Ward Creative. And Dawson Ward creates and produce amazing memorable live shows, activations and entertainment experiences all over the UK and internationally too. So as well as finding out more about Jason, we discussed creativity and creativity is something which some people find really easy and they are super creative and other people really have to dig deep to find that that inner creative inside themselves. So as a creative director, I know that Jason has creativity oozing out of him and we're going to explore that right now. Enjoy the episode and I'll catch up with you at the end. Jason, welcome. I'm so excited to have you here on the podcast today. Thanks for joining
1: me. Thank you for having me. It's really exciting. And um, yeah, I'm looking forward to, to being grilled and hopefully being able to help some of your listeners understand a little bit more about live entertainment and where we're heading.
0: Uh, I don't grill. We just, we're just we just going to have a natural conversation. I promise you, there's no grilling involved in today's um, conversation. So, I, I mean, I know a little bit about you, obviously, having worked with you previously for a very short amount of time. But can you tell everyone a little bit about yourself and how you became involved in the entertainment industry, please?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, for me, it was something that I always wanted to do. And I started working uh, professionally when I was 15 and I started as a dancer. Um, and I went to college, went to theater school. Uh, I was a dancer, I was a choreographer, I was a dance teacher. Um, I did a whole load of experimental theater as well, which was great. And then uh, randomly I decided to go to an audition for uh, a cruise line and I was offered the job the same day and I signed a contract. I didn't even have any idea where I was going. And um, yeah, I ended up staying in the cruise industry for about 20 years. So as a performer, as a choreographer, and then managing, delivering and producing entertainment for uh, various cruise lines, um, for Disney, Did a lot of events and, and shows for them, for celebrity cruises and Costa. And then I went to Carnival UK, which is where I met you, of course. Yes. I worked in head office. Uh, my role there was to develop new entertainment concepts for both brands. So for Cunard uh, and for p Cruises. So some of my work there, um, I, worked on English National Ballet, for example, doing a a partnership with them. Um, And I would say to to people, the English National Ballet partnership was literally a cold call. So if you have a wacky idea and you think, oh my God, they'll never say yes, just call them. Because I phoned English National Ballet and said, hey, I work for Cruise Line. Do you fancy coming on a cruise? And that turned into this great partnership. And a similar thing with the Olivier's as well. We did a partnership there. I uh, looked after celebrity bookings for QNART and for PO. And then did a load of product for Iona, the, the brand new ship, which you're um you're familiar with. Um, yeah. and I've I've done so, I mean, it's kind of so broad my experience. I, I'm very, very lucky. I, I've I always say I've done everything from understudying Des O'Connor to creating a ballet set in a supermarket to working with Alex James from Blur on a, on a laser show. And now I, I help other entertainment companies and professionals to develop what they're doing commercially and creatively. So I have a partnership now called Dawson Ward Creative, and and that's really what we do.
0: Wow I mean and the world of entertainment is wonderful isn't it it's it's full of variety but Jason that is quite a career isn't it and there's a couple of things I want to pull out there the fact that you were so bold to you know you got you've got offered a job in cruising on on the day you took it you signed a contract not knowing where you were going Um, and I I think there's probably a little bit of being quite young in that isn't there that we take those sort of risks when we're younger um would you do something like that now? (laughs)
1: <laughs> that's a really good question and it's funny because obviously in the last couple of years uh, this type of opportunities that have been around have changed yeah. and uh, I was talking uh, about a role potentially um, in Monte Carlo which sounds really attractive yeah. but now I'm settled and I have a house and I live with my wife and our two dogs and it's like as much as I'd love to go to Monte Carlo and do this really great role um, now I think through practically what would that mean However, I would still encourage people to be brave. You can be brave in different ways. And I think in entertainment, if you talk about how you develop it, how you innovate it, and how you bring something Uh, to that arena that people are going to be interested in, engaged in, then I think a certain amount of of bravery is definitely required.
0: Yeah, absolutely agree. And you touched on the fact that you were quite brave and bold in terms of you just got in touch with the English National Ballet. You just reached out to them, you know, and that is, you know, so that might feel out of reach for some people, but it's taking those small risks, isn't it, that that will make the biggest um, changes or the biggest um, dips in the pools for you. So, yeah, there is a bit of risk taking, isn't there, in, in
1: what we do? Absolutely. And I think and you probably know this as well, Kelly, that you you have an idea and you have a concept and you think this is something that that could work. Um, and then, you know, we all go through this thing of, of a little bit of imposter syndrome, a little bit of talking ourselves out of it and a little bit thinking, oh, my God, it's only my idea. But what you never know is what does that person at the other end of the phone or the other end of your email? What are they thinking?
0: Yeah.
1: And, you know, I was quite lucky with the English National Ballet and, and to a certain extent, the Olivier's because there were organizations that were both looking to expand where they were going and the and the people that I spoke to had been charged with this yeah. now they hadn't considered the world of cruise at that particular time so then it was like oh actually that could work and then we went through a process um which was also fascinating and has led to like a lot of the work that I do now with with creative process um but with English National Ballet, for example, we probably could have got everything done within six months, Yeah. but we didn't, we just kept pushing to see where we could go and work together and it took nearly two years in the end, but what we came up with was much better.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it is, like you say, it's that partnership, isn't it? So it's what's in it for them? What, what are they going to benefit from? And what's in it for you? And it's building that relationship and building that partnership and letting them know what is in it for them. So yeah, there's, there's a bravery there, but there is the relationship building too. So before we come on to um, learning more about your business that you're working in now, I just want to touch on why entertainment, you know, what is it that motivates you to get out of bed and inspires you every day to work within the entertainment industry?
1: Uh, that's a good question. And um, having worked in different areas of it uh, and now having had time to really consider, like we've been through lockdown and I've kept working all the way through and I've really had to work on myself. Um, but I think I I, I believe and it sounds massive. I believe in the transformative power of entertainment and, and the arts and um, it touches every part of our life and i think that's really important and that's what sort of motivates me and i think there's when we're talking about um, expression uh, and a desire to express whether that's emotions or whatever that's what makes us a society rather than just a big group of people Uh, and and i think that's really really important and I, I, I love quotes and I love like I want to find out what creative people think and how they got there. And there's a quote from from the painter Degas, uh, which I saw up in Trafalgar Square the other week. Uh, and he said, um, art is not what you see, but what you make others see. Wow. So art is not yeah. what you see, but what you make others see. And I thought, you know, what could be a better profession than that? Helping other people to see something they may not have considered. So that, that's why I love what I do.
0: Yeah. And I think that will probably resonate with a lot of people right now, because in the last, so, well, not the last couple of months, we've been lucky in the last couple of months, but 16 months previous to that, we've not had the arts. We've not had the entertainment. We have been absolutely suffered. We've suffered from it and we've not had it. And I think everyone now is enjoying the fact that we get, we're getting back out, back out there. We're feeling those emotions when we go into the theater, we're immersing ourselves in that, in that experience and really becoming involved in it because it does, it does bring out emotions and, and, and it even brings up memories, doesn't it? It creates yes. memories, it brings out memories and it does bring out, em- evokes emotions that perhaps we don't get and we didn't definitely get when we were in lockdown.
1: Oh, absolutely. And, and I think that, um, you know, we can talk about theater in the sense of seeing a show or narrative, but I would also say in terms of live entertainment in, t- in terms of that kind of uh, community enjoyment of an event, that's really important. You know, I went to um, a, a couple of local festivals in the, in the last couple of weeks and at um, one of them I saw a, a really great dance school who, uh, who, who do great work, but also um, a singer songwriter who I had first seen perform in a pub. And, it, and, you know, it was great to see her performing there at the festival. And I was thinking back, you know, when she was performing in our local people gathered together and enjoyed those songs like you said evoke memories she did some yeah. songs that were her own and some that reminded people of other times and I think that's really really important
0: it is. Yeah, you absolutely can't buy that, really, can you? Now, what I'd like to do before we come into a bit more around innovation for entertainment is for you to get the opportunity to talk to me about your business and what Dawson Ward Entertainment do. So talk to me about that and what you've been working on in the past about 18 months.
1: Absolutely. So uh, Dawson Ward Creative is, is a business I run with my business partner, who's called Natalie Dawson. Um, it's kind of unique, first of all, because we met on LinkedIn. She lives in Leicester. I live in Bournemouth. Uh, we've only actually been in the same room physically twice in the oh. last year. Um, but it really started out of a, a unique situation. Both of us found that our, our corporate roles no longer existed. And um, we had people that started to reach out to us for support uh, from, from our industry. Uh, and we recognized that there was the seeds of a consultancy business there. So we we developed that idea and then we started to work with people um, and and entertainment producers with artists um, and now also with theatre producers as well to help them develop their businesses commercially and creatively and use some of our experience so Natalie's experience is in creating and supplying large entertainment contracts up to 10 million pounds at a time Um, and mine has really been delivering them and then also on the kind of client side so we've got both of those perspectives nice so we can talk to people about the resort industry where where Natalie an expert or the cruise industry where I'm much, much more knowledgeable and really help them help them find clarity the same way that, that maybe uh, you and I might be more familiar with in a corporate environment, like what is our vision, what is our mission, what is our purpose yes. and really yeah. help people find that. Um, And as far as we're aware, we're we're the only consultancy dedicated to supporting entertainment businesses and professionals. Uh, We work in the UK and we have an operation in New York City as well. So we have clients in in the US. Um, And that has also uh, opened us, exposed us to more opportunities as well. So we also work with um, some New York writers and producers who are looking for outlets for their shows in the UK. So we help them. So, and we just actually placed the first one, which is great. So hopefully nice. that will be that will be on, uh, yeah, that will be on hopefully next year. Uh, but I can't tell you much about yeah. it, um, apart from I had written into the contract that if it gets an Olivier Award, I have to be able to go to the event. <laughs> yes, um, 100%. But what, what we do, I mean, the work that we do, it's, you know, our clients love it. We, it, we have a client that, that, that described it as revolutionary for his business. And nice. people are saying it's essential and they've never looked at themselves as business people, despite the fact they might be turning over nearly a million pounds a year, they've thought of themselves as as entertainers. So that's been really, really uh, rewarding for us to help people that way. Um, And at the same time, um, we've been asked to develop creative concepts for brands. Uh, We had a call yesterday with a a beautiful luxury cruise line as well to talk about that. And we're working with uh, a couple of brands already. There's an urban dance brand, Uh, for kids called Little Beats which is amazing and they want to bring their branding which is very strong into the live arena so we're helping them with that and then we're developing concepts for some UK holiday brands as well so what we're trying to do is not to produce shows yeah not to become the person that gives you the dancers or the comedian or, or any of that stuff but to provide the creative and to provide the support. Nice. Um, so yeah, as far as we as far as we're aware, as I said, no one else is doing that, so uh, no. we're in a good position.
0: No, and it is a really great concept that you've come up with, absolutely. And between you and Natalie, you have got the experience. I know of Natalie, but, um I believe she went to TED, didn't she? So I do. um Yeah, well,
1: she did. Well, she had her own production company, right? TBA, yeah, and Ted bought that out. Ah,
0: there we go. So, yeah, because of
1: the talent that she had, so then she became the senior creative there. That's and it. She went to a holiday brand creating programs for i I believe it was 72 venues and then she was uh, creative director at tag live and and on the board there so she did uh programs for born leisure for she created the whole um entertainment proposition for the Sensatori brand when it launched brilliant which is yeah, That's so how I know her then, definitely. Yeah, so we, we've got <laughs> yeah. some great experience between us, and, and it's great to be able to share that. And we set that out as our mission statement, which is to share our experience and knowledge. Yeah. Yes, and, and we think that's what, really
0: key. Yeah, I was gonna say, which is what your YouTube have got. You've got that, that's your USPs. Now I did do your do some research. I obviously knew a little bit about you and Nasi, but I did have a good look around your website. And there was one headline that I was that really captured my attention. I'm gonna make sure I get this right. So on the website, it talks about extraordinary times demands extraordinary creativity. So talk to me about that. Why are we in extraordinary times and why do we need that extraordinary creativity?
1: Well, that's a good question as well. Are we extraordinary times. Obviously, the, the pandemic is extraordinary. It's, it's yeah. never happened, you know, in anyone's lifetime, and the effect that it had on all of us and the um, the entertainment industry and 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 virtually everybody's life. Um, but at the same time, there's lots of other social change which is which is revealed by the pandemic and which is maybe more in focus as well. And and we looked at all the changes in our industry over the last couple of years, and we and we recognised that we were going to have to take a really creative look at how we work. We could have easily become producers. Yeah. Uh, and we were offered, uh, many opportunities to produce, um, shows produce programs, but we knew that there's already people that are doing that and it wasn't where we felt naturally drawn to. So we had to creatively look at what do we offer? And that's why we came up with the concept of doing the consultancy. Um, and so part of what we do with our clients is encourage them to creatively look at their purpose.
0: Yeah. Where
1: are they fitting in? How are they engaging their audience? Let's relook at the things that we're doing because we, we believe that doing the same thing is no longer viable. So we all need to be extraordinarily creative. So whether that's in theater, whether that's in events, uh, you know, whether that's in the cruise industry, the same thing isn't going to work on any level. Yeah. So you have to, you have to look at that and, and we compare it a little bit to um, after the after the Second World War. Obviously, the Second World War was a massive event in our social history. It affected everyone and people came out of that with a sense of wanting to change and wanting to move forward. And that resulted in, in the Festival of Britain. Um, but also it resulted in a lot of social change and creative and artistic change. Eventually, we got to the 60s where that all kind of came to fruition. And we're kind of at a similar moment now um, because people have been so low and so yeah. and had such a bad time, and that doesn't just mean people that lost their jobs or, or lost loved ones or friends, but just the 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 actual fact of being physically locked in your house all day. Yeah, that's massive. So things cannot be the same after that it's just impossible. So that's why we said extraordinary times demand extraordinary creativity. We can't go back to what we did before. It's not viable
0: no it's really not and people are wanting something different behaviors have changed how people want to interact has changed totally. so yeah absolutely I completely agree now I, I want to stay on creativity because you know I'm from I did come from the entertainment um, industry but I'm now in events and um, a lot lots of listeners on this um, podcast are events professionals and what happens with events professionals sometimes we get cornered or shoehorned into certain areas we are either operational so we're very yeah. operational and we do all the logistics and we are all the master schedules and all of that or you go oh no you're the creative one and I find that it's really difficult then to to take yourself out of that box whichever side you are so but I I, and I do think the best events professionals are 360 do it all so can think about that creativity because logistics need to be creative as well so think 360 on it all where I'm interested to know where do you find your creativity how does it manifest itself
1: uh Sometimes I'm just glib and say it's magic. Um, <laughs> uh, no, and then as I was saying before, it's something that I've really been working on and, and we've um, created now uh, a, a workshop about creative process to help yeah. people understand where it comes from, how it works, and to basically supercharge their own creativity. But for me, I find creativity in lots of places and and... As i said before i think it's important to remember that everything you see touch or hear is the result of creativity like your fridge right somebody had to design that
0: Yes. somebody <laughs> had to say right what's
1: it going to look like yeah, what color is it going to be what shape is it going to be how's it going to Is it's going to be fridge freezer it's going to have four shelves six shelves that's a creative process that's yeah. a creative task then to your point about operations somebody then had to work out how to build what the creative person wanted but yeah the best creative will understand operations. Now, for me, um, I've always written stories. I've always written music as well. And music is is, is a really powerful catalyst. So mm-hmm. I, I listen to a huge range of music, um, musical theatre I love, but right through to to, to grime. Uh, I love Stormzy. I love Dave. There's a really great new female, or she's not so new, but she's becoming famous now, called Little Sims, great yes. sort of London rappers, yes. that kind of stuff I love. And I think I like that a lot because of the narrative part
0: yeah and that that's...
1: really that really helps me also um working with other creatives is stimulating we're doing a project now for um uh i can't say the name a large family <laughs> brand yeah uh, with uh together with two insanely gifted las vegas based illusionists nice and the, the meetings are just crazy and when you get in that space with these people we go from card trips through to how would we make an airliner disappear from a tropical island? And there's no wow. kind of limits. And <laughs> the reason I said that is because you said the thing about operations and we're very careful because we're at the point in the process now that we might call incubation, where the, the ideas are kind of incubating away. Yeah. And we're not thinking, well, how would we get the airliner prop to the island? That's not the point. This yeah. is just ideas, just ideas and just build them up. And then we'll work on the operation a bit afterwards because all of us are able to do that. Yeah. um but yeah music is probably the, the biggest stimulus for me um yeah. it really really helps and that tends to be where i start from
0: uh yeah music for me and also clearing your head and getting out there for either walks or running because sometimes when you're bogged down at your desk all day and you're doing all the to-do de- de- um things and just answering emails and things you don't clear your mind enough to find the creativity so i think just taking yourself probably, this is probably what you teach in your workshops a little bit around the fact that take yourself away from the everyday, find time, find space, find that energy that's going to be, allow you to be creative. And like you talked about then, don't limit yourself by operations because you need to think big first of all to find those big creative ideas. And then like you say, you'll work out whether operationally it will work. Do not limit yourself by operations first and
1: foremost, I think. Absolutely, absolutely. And and there's two things there. First of all, it's almost as if you've been reading my Instagram because today (laughs) on Dawson Ward Creative, you put a post, which is a quote from J.K. Rowling. Yeah. And she says, sometimes you have to stop trying to force it. Walk away, let your subconscious show you the way and fill up on life for a while. Nice. And I like that. (laughs) You know, that's, we posted that today because it's something that's come up again and again with like the creative people that we work with that just forcing stuff through. And I figure... First of all, like you say, go for a walk or go for a run that works. Yeah. But, you know, if J.K. Rowling says it works, I mean, (laughs) I don't. There's very (laughs) few people more creative than her. Um, And to your point about operational side as well, it's massively important to have an understanding of it. Absolutely. But that comes later in your creative process. So you've gone through your what we call preparation, where you're gathering information, working it around. You've got that incubation where it's going along. Your illumination where boom, that idea comes to you, but then you've got your verification part. Yeah. And that's where you've got to say, right? I've got this brilliant idea. Now I'm going to verify whether it will work.
0: Oh, nice. Yeah. And
1: that's really, really important. And we sometimes see, um, you know, in, in, in all industries, the verification part gets merged with the implementation. You know, somebody goes, I don't think that'll ever work. Well, we're going to do it anyway. Well, hold on. And then you do it. It doesn't work. And, you know, but if you take that time with each of those steps, you can verify and go right now, where's my operational plan for this? Yeah. If it doesn't work, you go back to the beginning, but go through the steps. Yeah. You know, like make that. sure that you've got it thought through. And that is what we do in our workshop. We really like go through that in detail with people. Um, and it's, and it, it goes well. It's positively received.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think from an events perspective for the events teams that listen to this, I think it's when, when we're working on events and we are, we have gotten a creative arm on that, it is to giving yourself the time to take yourself through that process, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Don't absolutely. rush in.
1: So, yeah, I mean, absolutely, yeah.
0: I'm really interested to, to know, you know, with exploring creativity, um, since post pandemic, well, we're not quite out of the pandemic yet, but I'm interested to hear about some of the creative approaches that you've seen within the entertainment industry that are emerging that you think are quite interesting. So what what is um what is getting you excited and the fire in your belly right now?
1: Yeah. So, right. So there's some amazing creativity that's come out. Um, yeah. So in, in all parts of, of our industry, um, I think the two big things are immersive theatre and immersive experiences, yeah. obviously done in, in a COVID-friendly way, and I'll talk about that in a second. So we're talking about bringing people into a world, and I think that's really, really key. I don't think it's necessarily enough, and I think this is true with events and, and theatre, that you just have something happening at one end of a room. Yeah. Um, yes. If you look at, for example, Moulin Rouge, the, which is coming to the West End soon, is, is already open on Broadway and also Cabaret, which is going to be in the West End soon with Eddie Redmayne. Both of those have created their venue within the venue. So yes. when you go into the theatre to see Cabaret, you don't go to the, I think it's the Adelphi, whatever the theatre is. You go into the Kit Kat Club
0: nice. and you've
1: got tables on the stage because it's set in a, a Berlin Cabaret Club. When you go to watch Moulin Rouge, you're going into the Moulin Rouge. So you're entering into it. Um, Disney's Frozen does the same thing. When you watch that at Theatre or Drury Lane, the show comes out to you. Um, And they're massive. But I think on smaller scales, that's the approach that we need to take. What is the world that we're inviting people into? Now, it doesn't have to be a massive high concept, you know, fully thought through Harry Potter wizarding world. But you need to know your reason for being there and what are you why what are you inviting your guests and your audience into? That's part one. The other part is the use of technology. And there is this crossover between obviously we have all seen, you know, online shows and zoom shows and all that. But how that then comes into live entertainment as well. And there's a lot of I know people talk about hybrid events. And I think there's a long way to go, but I think it's a really exciting approach. And there's a, there's a really good show called Contact, which is produced by um, Aria Entertainment in the UK. Yeah. And in this show, you've got uh, two actors. And when they first did it in the UK, they did it in London. So you meet at a certain point on the South Bank in London, you've downloaded an app and you've got headphones. And at a certain point, the music starts and you hear it in your headphones and you see a girl, a woman sat on a bench and you start to hear her thoughts. And then she stands up and walks and there's 10, 12 people in the audience at a time and you follow her around and then she sits down somewhere else. A guy comes over and you don't know who's in the show, who's not in the show. And the guy sits next to her on the bench. He's like, oh my God, he's gonna ask me what's the weather. He turns and says, what's the weather? And then you follow their story through. Uh, And it's only like an hour long, but it's absolutely beautiful. And those kind of things, it's covid safe because in the open air there's yeah. no close contact but you're using technology in a completely different way you're not making something on a screen you're there you're 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 there with a community of other people enjoying it at the same time and you're in a reality but you're kind of detached from it at the same time and i think that's something really really exciting um in other areas i think if we looked tv and movies i think streaming services obviously are leading the way yeah there's going to be a massive change there and we all need to be aware of that because the stories that they're telling are much more interesting and if i don't know whether you saw um black mirror a couple of years ago they did a, a, an episode called bandersnatch where you could yes, choose geez. your own yeah yeah now that is absolutely putting entertainment at your fingertips you can choose your own story it's massively expensive to do because you've got to film all the different options (laughs) however you know when there were only four channels and in in three channels before that we never dreamed of the choice that we have now of being able to watch whatever we want when we want that on-demand thing so if you can watch what you want you know on-demand But then you can enjoy it in your own way way by adjusting the story. I think that's something that we all need to be aware of in live entertainment as well. It's not always achievable, but what does it teach us? And I think that's really important. So if you're at an event or at a show, what are the options for the audience that we can build into? Our presentations and I think that's really really key.
0: I really I absolutely love the first, um, the first one that you were talking about where it's just 10 or 12 people it feels really personal you know you're out there like you said on the South Bank or something and you are you are part of that story that is pretty special isn't it and it's not this big all singing all dancing thousands of people it's just a real personal personal moment really and like, yeah absolutely love that i'm interested though because like obviously what you have just discussed there is probably a couple of pioneers within the industry that are doing something quite different so how how's the rest of the in- entertainment industry looking um do you think that they're innovating quick enough uh, in terms of what people want to see and what people want to feel um, and an experience in terms of entertainment is the industry moving at the right pace
1: um it's very interesting because because it's live entertainment people sometimes imagine that it must be creative all the way through yeah and and obviously during the pandemic the the live entertainment was very quick adapting to online and virtual events but no one with the exception of a couple of companies nobody was really able to adequately monetize that experience yeah or offer something that wasn't just a watered down version of a live show so instead of watching i don't know uh your favorite singer in concert, you watch them on your computer screen or whatever it was. Um, and change in live entertainment can often be incremental. And somebody will come up with something that is game changing. And then there'll be a lot of people that will sort of jump on that bandwagon. Um, but to your question, is it innovating quick enough? I, I think I would say not necessarily. And I think because there are a lot of people still, and and. You, you may well have it in your own industry and in events industry as well that are going to stick to what they think they know works yeah yeah this is what we did like, let's do so. that thing we did before do you remember yeah and they put that back on and what that results in, in in my humble opinion is a kind of dumbing down of what gets presented and it also deadens your audience expectations because if you go there With very little expectation, because you think you're probably going to see something that you saw last year, the year before, and five years before that, then you are, whether it's an event or whether it's a show or another type of entertainment experience, you're reducing your potential upside. You're reducing the possibility to surprise, delight, engage, and maybe change someone's mind, make them see something in a new and exciting way. Yeah. Um, Now, what the caveat to that is, we're very lucky here in the UK, is that we do have an amazing creative community. They are driven by innovation and experimentation. And I think if we look at some of like, Contact is is a good example, some other shows that have come out, some other music that's coming out now, there is definitely signs of innovation. But I think, you know, as I said before, this is an extraordinary time. We need to be extraordinarily creative because what we did before is not going to mean the same thing now that it meant two years ago,
0: yeah. And
1: and so we've got to find what is our live entertainment that's going to have meaning for now, taking into account the fact that people were physically locked in their houses mm-hmm. for an extended period of time, and lots of people, hundred and thirty five thousand people in our country, died. That's that's a, you can't discount that. No. That's really important to remember. So yeah. we've got lots of innovation experimentation. We just have to be wary, I think, of sticking to that thing that we did before you know that was really good and we like and people liked it then didn't they yeah. Yes, they did we, as an example in our country so this is some research that i've done uh there are a thousand over a thousand abba tribute bands wow that's a lot yeah. <laughs> so what what are they going to earn yeah yeah and what it's not going to be abba and you know, and now ABBA themselves are coming back yes. in a virtual way. <laughs> so you've got a thousand people, they've all gone, Oh, look, they're doing ABBA. Let's throw us to ABBA. And I love ABBA, by the way. And I've got and people need to work, and I totally get that. Um, and I'm not saying they shouldn't do that, but they, they push their price down and they, they flood the market. And as soon as ABBA Arena opens, and 3,000 people four times a day can see the ABBA kind of mm-hmm. avatars you're probably going to choose and then it'll go on tour and, you know, all that sort of stuff. So there's these two sides to our industry, the super creative, let's get ahead, do something. And then the other let's do what we did before.
0: That's it's really interesting what you've said, actually, you're absolutely right. It's, and it is around like getting out the comfort zone, isn't it? And listening, listening and feeling, feeling, what do people need right now? What do
1: people want right now? So and respecting your audience. Yeah. absolutely. Your audience is having different experiences every day. Yeah. They're not the same. No, that are that We all change, all yeah. our experiences change us, yeah. So, you know, you might have had a really difficult journey to get to where you want to go. So, by the time you get there, you're super stressed, and you don't need to hear some really massively upbeat. You probably don't want to hear Abba at that no. point,
0: <laughs> That's you just want to
1: it. chill yes. for a bit, you know. <laughs> yeah, and it's not that you don't like them, no, it's just that you're right changed,
0: yeah. yeah. So before we start wrapping up I'm really interested um, this is one question I definitely want to cover Um, right now I'd like to know what is your top tip around if someone's got to go out there we're allowed back out there now to go and have to see a live show a live performer an entertainer of your choice or a musician, you know, who, who should be going out to see right now who is
1: hot right this moment in your eyes. Uh, that's that is such a tough question. Uh, I'm fascinated by how Abba Voyage is going to be. I, I think yes. that's just amazing. Uh, in terms of like a creative, um, she's not in the live arena. Well, although she could be Michaela Coel, who, who wrote um, "I May Destroy You," who's just oh, amazing, yes. immense talent. Um, but in terms of um, what's happening at the moment, I would say the next massive show in London is going to be Moulin Rouge. That's going to be absolutely fascinating.
0: When does it come um, to, because when you said that earlier, I was like, oh, I need to go and see that. So when's it come uh,
1: October. So oh, brilliant. I got, I got, uh, I got, I was on the priority list and I got to book my tickets within 20 minutes of the priority list opening. And I, the first available date I had was December the 18th. Wow. Okay. And it's sold out now through April. Um, but there's another, um, there's a show that's going to be touring um, by Matthew Bourne in new adventures in motion pictures Um, and it's called the midnight bell and he's looked at Soho in the 1930s as a dance piece which is already interesting based on a novel Um, but he's worked it from a very different perspective he hasn't started with music and dance he made the whole company read books first of all Oh, okay. so he's and and it's It's about the stories that he's telling. He's not telling the stories of the rich and famous. He's telling the stories of the people that lived in boarding houses and bedsits or were prostitutes or alcoholics, like the the regular people. Yeah. And I think that is going to be a key uh, in the next few years, that we start telling stories that are inclusive, that uh, represent and reflect our audiences, which we have to do whether we're in events, whether we're in shows or whether we're in movies. We've got an audience that we need to reflect. And I think that's what's going to be key.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting. We will definitely look out for that one. Okay, so wrap it up then. Can you please let let us know how people can find you guys? Because, you know, you just talked some really great stories there around creativity. And I know people are going to want to know more about what you guys do. So where's the best place to direct people? Where can we find you? Uh,
1: So the best place, our website is and We're on Instagram at DawsonWallCreative. And we're on LinkedIn um we are just starting to work with non live entertainment companies as well which is exciting nice. um personally i've also been approached by an agent to start work as a keynote keynote speaker specializing in creativity creative process and managing creativity within a non creative organization which is very exciting and lots of work uh, and also uh And we haven't told anyone this yet. So we decided we wanted to give you something exclusive. Brilliant. Um, We are working on plans to start doing um, networking events for creative people in our industry. Nice. to Meet up, learn from each other and also hear from leading experts. So you might find yourself with an invitation to come and speak at one of those as well. So stay tuned. That would be brilliant.
0: Yeah, and I'm assuming that for anyone that's interested, you'll put details on your website and on your socials and things because that would be definitely something the listeners would be interested in, I'm sure.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Perfect. Um, But yeah, we're always here and we're also happy just, you know, if you've got creative solutions or you you need creative solutions or you've got, you know, creative issues that you need resolving, honestly, pop onto any of our socials, drop us a line uh, and, and let's have a chat and see what we can do to help you.
0: Brilliant. Jason, this has been great. I could talk to you all day, but we like to keep these bite-sized, so we will end it there. And um, thank you so much for your time today. Thank
1: you. Thank you for inviting me. I really appreciate it.
0: Take care. Well, that was a truly wonderful and inspirational chat. Thank you, Jason. I really enjoyed that. And I hope you guys listening at home did too. If you've got any questions on today's podcast episode, then please do get in touch. You will find me on all the socials at Kelly Frew, or at my website, StorymakerEvents.com. Also, don't forget that our podcast has its own socials too. So the Events for Breakfast podcast is on LinkedIn. We are on Twitter and we are on Instagram. So please do come and join the community. And also, if you are enjoying the podcast, then don't forget to subscribe on your usual podcast provider. Help to share the podcast and let everyone know that we are here. Hope you have a really fantastic week. We will be back next week with another guest for you. Take care of yourselves. Bye.